John, thanks for coming on to the Earthly Delights podcast. Happy to be here. <laughs> um, obviously, we start by what's the crack? Uh, what's the crack being more native to you than other uh, so so far English listeners? That's right. Good yeah. to hear. What's the crack again? <laughs> what is the crack? Not a whole lot of crack. New Year's Day here in Dublin. Um, new new beginning, I suppose. Can you uh, feel the sin in the air? <laughs> new decade for those enumerate people that can't count. Um, but not for us smart people. Over no, here. no, no, no. Of course, we can count. Yeah, that. yeah. But now feels good. Happy to be here. No crack really going on in Dublin. No, it's a, uh, it's strange, isn't it? Like when you don't like look forward to New Year's. Yeah, I'd go ahead and say there's no crack on New Year's Day. There's football. <laughs> But there's no crack because no, there's people with the fear yeah. all over the country, and like they've made commitments. Nobody can drive because there's checkpoints everywhere. True. So it's True. just no crack really at all. Limited crack for sure. Yeah, it got me on a bad day for what's the crack. I mean, <laughs> look forward to my second appearance. Oh, where yeah, I might yeah, have some yeah, crack. We'll, yeah, have yeah, you, yeah, yeah. we'll have you back yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But that's it. That was a loaded question. What's the crack? <laughs> Beautiful. So John, um, I guess the the main focus of this recording, this podcast, would be around um, career, um, success, um, living away from home, and um, I guess the first question that's on my mind is like, how would you define or describe success? Yeah, I was going to say I have two two of the three of them. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have a career and I live away from home. Um, <clears throat> success. I don't know. I think it changes probably, if not every year, every week for some people, and, and depending on. Um, I think career and success are obviously very much correlated to where um, your success is kind of through the lens of what your career kind of defines success as being. Mm. But um, I don't know. For me, <clears throat> success being able to impact a lot of people. Um, and being able to enjoy life through a different lens kind of every year or two years and being able to kind of adapt and change how I look at things and, and kind of grow through that would be my version of success. Um, but like you said, it's definitely malleable yeah. changes. I'd say my definition of success, leaving Ireland eight years ago, is a lot different to it is now. Yeah. So... I get you. Like what you thought was successful two years ago, now you don't really see that as successful. Like uh, as in like a represent representative of your being uh, as like you fulfilling your potential. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> we go. We go back to the crack, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think yeah, the potential. I think potential is is a quite an overused word in our generation yeah um because <clears throat> in previous generations potential was always kind of unknown like you never knew what you could do whereas our generation are kind of we're we're uh spoiled with how much we can do mm -hmm. and like even sitting here in yeah. in dublin recording this and then sending it to england to be published and, and put on a website like that's the potential of that is you know is, unbelievable to think about Definitely. um so i think our generation are kind of spoiled like potential doesn't come into it. anybody can be or do what they want in, the, in this day and age but aligning it with purpose is the hard thing yeah so kind of aligning what you're good at and and not kind of falling into the trap of just doing what um you're supposed to do sort of and, and falling into the system mm. of just well this is the right thing to do maybe based on where you live or what you do or or, or what your parents do, or, or however it may be. So, say that more than looking for potential and things. I think the potential is always there. Maybe if that's your yeah your question. Maybe man, I should rephrase and say, for instance, like two years ago, if you asked me what was a success, I would probably say something along the lines of um, 
uh, measurable, Some, something that mm. is more measurable. Yeah. And I think as I get older, more and more, I think that this can't really be measured, but there's like a, there's like a feeling, there's like a... Like a state of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah, of like, yeah no, yeah. I think, th- no, I think this is, this is closer to where I can reach, you know, yeah. the person I would like to be, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I forget who said it, but they said that success is like life on your terms. And I also think, like like you said, like it's so easy to um, be doing something and you're so busy with this thing that you uh, your your priorities have shifted and just success in this one thing that you do that has taken up a lot of your time is success generally. But I think if there's not balance, if, like, if you don't look at it like holistically, it's very easy to... I don't know, I mean... Yeah. There's definitely parts of it, I think, <clears throat> self-esteem being a, a big part of, like, your own success rather than what you think looks like success to other people mm. and not kind of chasing that. Um, I think that the the man with the bag over his head... What, what's, what's his name? Blind Boy. Blind Boy, <laughs> yeah. That makes sense, actually. Um, I think he... he remember, he'd done a good piece on self-esteem and kind of not being just focused on what other people might think is successful for you mm. rather than your own success but yeah i think state of mind like i know a couple of i live in obviously live in nashville tennessee now and a lot of music and <clears throat> you see a lot of people when they when they kind of get their break in the music and they start being more what would be considered successful in the music industry um almost kind of lose the run of what they wanted to do with the music or what what they what they maybe viewed as success years before but um it's kind of one of them things to where like you said the the environment changes or the factors change that around their music and the more popular they get the more people kind of have to get into it and Mm. then it's up to them to sort of if they don't have a strong sense of what success looks like to them and stay true to it then it can, it can success can be skewed and, and and moved and changed in many many different ways. So definitely, man. It was funny. I was listening to this podcast with um, do you know Rick Rubin. I do. Rick Rubin. Not personally, but <laughs> not yet. Yeah, he's got a mad gaff in California. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the beard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Rick Rubin was interviewing Under Two Thousand from Outcast, and he was talking about how so he produced the Beastie Boy uh, Beastie Boys album, and it was the first album. It was the number one album in America at the time. And he said he was sitting in his car, and his agent rang him, and he was like, uh, "Rick, you have the number one album in the country. How do you feel?" And then Rick says. Probably the worst I've ever felt yeah. in my entire life. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> because it's like it was funny. I was talking to my friend about this. How even say for music, um, like more and more I hear artists like like this, like Rick and like Under Two Thousand saying this, like yeah, you reach this high level of quote unquote success, but then you feel like some sort of emptiness. But yeah, um, the just the doing it in itself is is like what is like keeping them going yeah you know like if they were to do something else there would be also like a feeling of like discontent yeah and like what am i doing it, it, but like what like we were talking about yesterday i feel like if you keep on looking at something uh, and then hoping that something from this process will, will bring you something else yeah your the expectation will disappoint you in the end because but the expectation always disappoints i feel like you know even if you want to talk sporting events or like anything any any you know book i think i've, I've listened to uh roy Keane's book the one that don't fear out i think the first one ah, yeah. Yeah. and he talks about the european cup the treble and after that like the and i think Keane has kind of come out and said that a lot that the fall or the feeling the next day of like what's next is way worse than the how good it felt to win really? it you know so it's kind of like the expectation will always let you down in that sense but um think when you do things expecting something from from them you have to be careful and, and again knowing in your head that it might not be what you want mm-hmm. on the other side but you still have to do it intentionally to because that that's what you think is right for you to do you know what i mean and whether that be for me moving away or staying away or mm-hmm. going on and, and doing more education or whatever it may be kind of <clears throat> there's always the unknown and the you might have an expectation of what it's gonna, yeah. what, what's gonna come out of it for yourself, but 
I think for me anyway, it's proven that it never never ends up as as sweet as you think it is. You know what I mean? But but that in itself brings new challenges and new opportunities to then kind of grow through that as well. So that's good. Because man, I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times like I've been coming home, like coming home has been on the cards, and then I'm like I'm so excited about it, like I'm gonna come home and it's all gonna be great and this and this, and I try to play it down, I try to play it down, when, and then when I come home, even though it is always great, and it always is, is like different from what I expect. I usually feel like a bit like ah, oh, something's missing, ah, and yeah, it's yeah, always there's because always, there's always a bit, you know. You, you land in Dublin Airport, and that's probably the most poetic moment of, of all. <laughs> you know, you're coming in, and and it's and it's uh, the the green fields, and the Aer Lingus people are welcome home to Dublin, and then you get into Terminal One, and some fella throwing you out of the way to get his bag <laughs> before you uh, you get on the M15, you're stuck in traffic already, yeah, and like, and it's and it's a <clears throat> it's a plunge pill into the madness again, but it's just picking out the little bits and kind of. Appreciating. appreciating them and then you know the, the mind the mind runs and the imagination runs like you said in the weeks leading up to coming home always there's always a, a sort of a you're looking through Raul's glasses almost and you're thinking oh yeah there is no traffic in Dublin and there is none of this that yeah. you know I mean you kind of paint this perfect picture for yourself because that's what you want but there is no perfect yeah there's always traffic. <laughs> <laughs> There's always some sort of yeah, like, metaphorical the, the, traffic. The bus is always late. <laughs> Man, can I ask you this, right? I was talking to a mutual friend of ours the other day, and I was like, um, I don't know, it was, it's still hard for me to fathom, right? Where, so for instance, I remember listening to a podcast with Brian O'Driscoll, yeah, like one of, arguably one of the best rugby players of all time. And now I'm reading this book now about a uh, former Irish footballer, Richie Sadler. And, uh, these guys have achieved like incredible heights um, in their respective fields and they keep on mentioning like I remember Brian was just going to mention how he was afraid that the next game he was going to get found out as in like this is this is not me you know um, they're going to find out who I really am next time do you ever feel that? I mean I don't, I don't know if I've ever done anything at such an elite level to where You've had that fear, but I don't know. That's a good question. I think there's probably small things where, um, if I'm in work and, and I might not know something, you're kind of giving off that you know a little bit more. There's a, there's always that little bit of fear that someone might ask you a tough question and <laughs> you haven't fully prepared for it. But um, <clears throat> I think that, those lads like obviously set such such high heights and um, that the fall becomes a lot a lot uh a lot greater for them. They have a lot more to lose. They, maybe not more to lose, but they're kinda their uh their own expectation of being so great is as probably increased their standards so high that even the smallest slip up that probably no one would even notice. Um a miss pass or, or even off by a couple of inches, like he probably looks at that as being found out rather than Making a catastrophic mistake that we that any punter would would recognise, you know. Yeah. So, but, but I think that's inherent. The better you get at something, the smaller you t- the smaller the mistake you think is is huge, and I get you. other people probably don't. But no, I don't think I've ever felt fear in in, in terms of anything that that if that if I if I made this mistake, I'd be found out, or maybe I've been found out, and I just don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> Maybe that happened a long time ago and I haven't, I haven't gone back and nobody's told me. Well, yeah, because I, I don't know, because um, our friend Steve was saying, he said he feels that as well. And I mean, I, I just, I don't know, I just think it's interesting. Is it that because we just, right now we live in a time when, when we are so afraid of like... Uh, a failure, even if it was something small, as in like, um, like work, like a small work error. People are so afraid of, um, like I, I see it as like humaneness. You know, yeah, like yeah, we, yeah. we we are now like unconsciously trying to project this uh, image of ourselves that like we are like, you know, pretty. Uh, I don't know. We are. Um, 
I don't know, it's really hard for me to say. Like, so consistent and so um, prepared that we can't... That showing flaws yeah. is, is something to fear. Yeah. Whereas in, like, all these books that I'm reading over the last few weeks and months, it's like, if you, aren't af- if you are afraid to fail, that's going to prevent you from really, like... Um, reaching depths that you can then come from like really develop you know yeah. I don't know I, maybe I'm yeah over. I think you know you always hear people especially in Ireland or maybe in Dublin uh, saying like you know someone is fur coat no knickers and they kind of giving off this impression that they're I think that always had connotations of wealth to it um, as in they could afford, they're buying the fur coat but I can't afford the, the knickers or whatever but yeah. uh, I think about our generation you could look at that a different way and say um, maybe they're taking a picture of the fur coat and, put, and putting it out there um, and, and they might our generation now might have knickers because we don't have it as tough as previous generations in, in that sense but uh, but it's, it's, it's what people are portraying of themselves that is the ultimate probably downfall for them and um, by in pre in previous generations maybe the fur coat no knickers like you were assuming that and you the fur coat wasn't visible mm. but now we're taking pictures of it and putting it out there yeah. and, and by doing so we've set that expectation socially for ourselves to to have the fur coat on at all times and and to not be able to to get the knickers out and and That's and show that that show that side to to ourselves which if anything has a reverse effect it just makes it worse then when when you forget the coat one day you don't know where to look and you can't even snapchat isn't it, it but it, that, man that must happen because right now it's not valued to like openly fail or like to yeah. openly be doing things that are a bit kind of out of the general norm so like like you said yeah, you know putting these things on social media um, successful moments but not putting in the time where you're like yeah I'm not sure if I'm in the right job or I had a feeling that I was closer to my brother but I'm not and none of these things hit social media so then like people have this idea like oh I don't know yeah it's like if you continue if you unconsciously take part in this you know yeah. like show a picture of you at the football game and show a picture of you having a nice meal with your family and stuff um, if you unconsciously take part in that then you're almost like digging this hole for you well, your conscious then becomes part of that. You know, you're, you you yeah. you become, and that's the thing. The self esteem is then you're like, your sort, your identity is attached to what, what you've made your identity be. You know, and it's then, you're you're only kind of feeling yourself in the end because if you have good mates and, or even just people around you, they're gonna know what you're really like. So no matter what you put up, but I don't know. It's it's, it's a hard one, definitely. And it's one that probably won't get in, uh, it'll probably get worse before it gets better sort of thing. But. I really think that, man. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I mean, this book that I was reading, The Ascent of Humanity from Charles Eisenstein, he's he's convinced, like, he's... Um, That's a real New Year's Day read, isn't it? <laughs> the, the Ascent of Humanity. Oh, I'd kick, off, kick off. The, that's the, that, that, that is the crack. <laughs> Civilization and... And the human, human sense, sense of, of self. self. That is the crack on New Year's Day. <laughs> Live from Dublin. <laughs> You're lucky you didn't get pulled over on a checkpoint with that. <laughs> You'd be on the watch list. It'd be confiscated. Well, anyway, go on, tell um, us. He's, he's full-blown convinced that it has to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. Um, is this a new, new enough book? Uh, it, was, it was written in 2007, but then republished in 2013. But, you know, he's saying that you know to paraphrase to quote my friend Gucci Mane like we're so <laughs> lost in the sauce that uh, we literally need huge like almost catastrophe but it won't even be a catastrophe because he says what will come from this catastrophe <clears throat> yeah. will be a real to, to, to jump in on that paraphrase yeah. I don't know, was, it, was it Gucci Mane or uh, someone Mane, yeah. it was a good video where someone asked him if he can be born with the sauce <laughs> and he you. said how can you be born with seasoning <laughs> why would I who was that Rick Ross Gucci, Gucci Mane, Mane yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I would argue that kids now are being born into the sauce. You know what I mean? And and they're they're born like they're they're born into this expectation of being able to or having a certain life and like look at any fifteen year old, sixteen year old now, their whole life is documented from from day dot, like, you know what yeah, I mean? And man. it's and to to where like I don't have Facebook but someone was telling me they have a Facebook for their kid. Yeah. And the kid's one or something. Like that's mad. And you just wonder, like, when that kid grows up, like, like so we were getting a coffee the other day in in town, and it's, the coffee's come out, and there's angles and everything going on in the corner. It's people taking pictures of it and almost sending it back because it's not as aesthetically pleasing as it should be. Like, and your man making the coffee, breaking his bollocks, trying to get them out, and 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 turn them over, and people are giving out because it's overflowing on the cup and it doesn't look great on, you know, what I mean, but the cup can't always be sparkling in, no. in your life so that's it man like we're we're lying we're being like so for instance i was having this discussion with my um cousin yesterday whose kids are all under 12 and she went to um, a meeting at her school the kids school and the woman was saying she was from i forget what company she was from it was one of the company that basically uh, monitors um social media trends and behaviours, particularly among minors. And um, she was basically saying how, like, oh, yeah, um, you know, this generation being, you know, the 7 to 12-year-olds, yeah, you guys can learn how to use social media properly. And saying that, like, our generation of 25-year-olds, that we were at a disadvantage, we didn't know how to use it properly, and that, like, that's why we have pictures of us being drunk, and that's why we have pictures of us being naked or whatever. And she was like, yeah, that won't happen to you because you guys are smarter. And I was saying to my cousin, like, that just makes me feel really uneasy because you're just encouraging these kids to say, hey, um, be wise and only show this percent. What's suitable to be put on there, yeah, yeah. And, like, tell me that's not a recipe for an identity crisis. Like, there's there's something authentic about having... uh, a picture of your mate getting sick yeah. when you were 16 on oh, on Facebook. I love it. And I'm sure, <laughs> I, I don't even have Facebook to be able to track down those photos of me, but I'm sure there's some ropey ones of me when I was in school. <laughs> but, but it's like that. That, that. that was the kind of real side of social media yeah. before. And, and, and even to where, like, when you think about when we were in school, you had to write on someone's wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of had to put it out there. Like, so if you didn't want to say, if you did want to say that and tell them, or if you didn't want to, Putting yeah. out there, you had to put it out there for everyone to see. You know, the, the idea of private messaging was we were fairly late to the game on that. I'd say like towards the end of our school years was probably the private messaging, and then even to where like I remember I was in America, and the group messaging came in on Facebook, and that was like transformational. You know what I mean? And mm. Now when you <clears throat> you look at people like on the bus as you're sitting on the bus and there's free Wi-Fi and people aren't calling they're texting they're even jumping onto a Facebook group and kind of dropping stuff in there so yeah there, there was a at one point there was a realness to the yeah. to the social media to where it was definitely imper- imperfect but kind of a perfection to the imperfection yeah, of, su- of such because it did it did probably served its purpose of portraying your life yeah and yeah it was even people I remember we went to school with a fella and he used to have pictures of cars, just throwing pictures of cars up and now he'd be like, you know, he's probably a serial killer living in... <laughs> but at the time it's just like, oh yeah, mate, he loves cars. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That's who he is. He's just throwing cars up That's there because he likes cars. So, But yeah, now it's like, well, why, why is he not wearing this or doing that? Or or he's if there is a kid like that now, he's probably like, well, I can't even put the pictures of cars up because that's not the right thing to do or that's whatever. It. So. And, like, my cousin was even saying that it's already happening where companies get job applications, then they Google this person's name, social media, and then they see two years ago he was getting sick, gone. Or two years he was, like, doing a ridiculous amount of shots. Yeah. Or two years he was doing something stupid, gone. And it, like, it made, like, made me think Barack Obama was, like, a, a very uh, a strong marijuana advocate yeah, in his yeah. college days. Does that mean, mean he's not a presidential candidate? Do you know? Like, yeah. Like, as if if all that was around when Barack was 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 growing up, that he'd be toast? Or just the idea that, like, oh, 
this person isn't I don't know or, or this person like, like what do you want in your job sort of thing if yeah. like if, if they can't be themselves and they can't express themselves what do you want them to do in work kind of man yeah kind of these are the same companies that are spending millions of quid on mental health initiatives and uh, fitness initiatives but then if you can't if the person can't be themselves in the job how are they supposed to be vulnerable and, and talk about those sorts of things so I think that's Think, think the biggest flaw of all this is that we've sort of started to police social media, and obviously I don't have it, so I can't really speak. My my point's invalid, so I'm just going to keep going with. Keep it going. Like, like anything in, in 2020 <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, I'm setting the trend here. Just keep the invalid points That's going. That's true. But uh, no, like you know, I mean, you want you want people to talk about their feelings and 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 their health and and do all this, and companies spending all the money to do that, but then if they only got the job based on being someone that they're not or lying on their CV to get a job or whatever it may be, then how are they ever supposed to be vulnerable enough to tell their boss, you know what I mean, I'm having a tough week or to, or whatever it may be. So we've kind of set that trap for ourselves and now we're, well, maybe not now, but in a few years we'll probably have all these golden kids in uh, <laughs> graduate programs and then not, nothing will be done. I'm never going to be saying, what's going on? Where did that go wrong? <laughs> My friend a few years ago was convinced that like people who are willing to really interrogate this stuff now won't have a midlife crisis because the midlife crisis is usually a, a symptom of kind of ignoring or neglecting yourself basically yeah. yeah and then there's usually a point i don't know what happens it changes for other people but then they go oh wow like let me take a step back oh i've what 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 was i thinking or what where were my values at or, yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then you're by, by then you're already cancelled because <laughs> the cancel culture has already got you yeah. right now. I mean, you can't get to 50 anymore and go at disposable cups they actually are shite because you've already used enough that society's cancelled yeah. you so yeah. there's no room for remorse anymore oh, yeah um, yeah and like we've reached a point now where um, well not not totally but like so many people refuse to acknowledge people can change their minds or change their ways um, another friend of ours was saying how he he comes home, he, he lives away from home, he comes home and he has to reintroduce himself to his parents. Not in a, like, hey, remember me, guys, but, like, oh, um, yeah, Dad, I used to like that, but now I don't. And I used to think that this was a good idea, but now I disagree. Yeah. And I think this is good for my health now rather than this, and I've tried yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But no, you know, definitely, yeah. But, you know, when you come home and, like, your mom and dad are like, but you always like this. That's it, yeah. You know? That's it. Sure, sure I stopped eating me a year ago, mm-hmm. or a little over a year ago. And I come home now, and all, all my relatives are. What about chicken? Would you not have chicken? <laughs> like he used to love chicken, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I used to. Well, I used to also, no, you know. I used to be a baby. You know, I used to do loads of things that yeah. I don't do now. Uh, you, uh, you, what about pork? <laughs> you have a sausage? No, it's just know me. It's like, yeah. Uh, what about fish? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then, but then, uh, but she's. Where do you get your protein from? Where do you get this and that from? As if. No I grew problem. up with a family of food scientists, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, are, that are dissecting it and making sure that it's all there. So, no, but yeah, that's that's a real thing to wear. But I think that's with anything, you know. Even you, people coming home that are living away, like myself, and then they come home, I might have to not reintroduce yourself, but kind of update where they are, what they're doing, or, or kind of where their values have changed mm. in, on certain things. The worst part is people that are in relationships or are in, uh, or maybe living in with their parents and have to have that conversation at some point. It's yeah. like, hang on a sec, did you not realize over the years or, or whatever? Even probably worse in a relationship, you know, if you have to justify things like that, changing in values, and that's probably the hard part. Yeah, yeah worse than look, I don't mind doing it when I come home. It's yeah, kind of gives us something to talk about, really. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Traffic will only get yourself so far. <laughs> the weather, the crack will only get yourself so far, yeah, Jim. It's true, true. Um, I do wonder, like, this isn't definitely specific to Irish people, 
but in my experience it's very um prominent in Irish people is like a real distaste for change I like and definitely it's not Irish specific but just what I've experienced where and I'm convinced that's why like we struggle with death a lot more than other cultures be or yeah. and like and I would even say like breakups and stuff as well because I think in Ireland there's there's a real um, fundamental idea that like I know this person and this person is relatively static in terms of who that person can be. Yeah. And I don't know, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of people that are like very um very dedicated to like trying to change themselves for the better and like sometimes they make mistakes and sometimes they come back. But they the idea is like who am I like it's 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 constantly changing. Like, yeah, yeah. And I think Irish people find that really, really hard to fathom. Yeah. And like they really find change so difficult to fathom as well. Um I don't know man, have you seen like a difference between um that like n- not necessarily death but like uh, change, like ability to weather change between the States and Ireland? Mm, I think so living in the southern states of the states mm. southern states of the United States <laughs> album cover <laughs> <laughs> uh, but living in uh, living in southern states is, is almost probably worse than Ireland in terms of there's definitely a a norm and a a political norm a social norm a, a spiritual norm that people kind of have to uphold and and it's kind of it's it's rare to see someone change um and and talk about it or show it mm. um it's it's kind of and and the states is kind of a weird one because it's so big right that anyone that does kind of stick out in this in in the southern states just kind of moves to the west coast or up north or or rather than because it has sort of become a a certain way of life to where you know pe- people get married young and not everybody now but people get married young and and the church has such a big role and um certain jobs are kind of taboo and certain jobs are elevated to probably higher status than they should be elevated mm-hmm. to and there's there's kind of a way of life in in the south that is somewhat old school but then again um it's that's that's their patch you know what i mean i'm yeah. just i'm just visiting i'm on a long <laughs> holiday but uh but I think in Ireland, I think to to, to get back to your point, uh, people fearful of change is like, it's it's true. But in, again, to look at it from our generation is like people that emigrate. I think is a good way of looking at it. Maybe not myself, but because I went to the states for college and just kind of stayed on after. Um, but people that kind of get to a loose end here, and might be afraid to change what they're doing in Ireland for fear of what people think or for fear of failing or whatever it may be and they move to Australia or they move to Canada or maybe even to England and it's kind of you look at it and you're like well you could have done that in, in Ireland and and still been around but part of me thinks that like anything it's easier to change when you're away from what was stopping you in the first place and, and maybe moving over there to me has kind of numbed me to, to that because I've been so prone to change over the last eight years and kind of moving in the first place to America and then having to kind of adapt and change and bob and wave as as you and Seb would say but um, I, so I don't maybe don't notice change as much as other people would but I have noticed Irish people being reluctant to change and if the change comes trying to do it with no strings attached sort of thing yeah. but that that's Irish people in general aren't they they're very uh emotional people and very hard on their sleeves so they tie a lot of knots and then it's tough to it's, it's the easier thing to do is to just cut them all at once and, That's it, and, and and make a new life for yourself and and there's probably also an element of people that go over there thinking they're going to change and then don't and then are afraid to come back and admit that mm. nothing happened or, or, or that it didn't work out so yeah good question yeah. Maybe I'll put that as a as a permanent fixture. Yeah, that could be the the next what's what's the crack segment. <laughs> Just give someone two minutes to answer that question. <laughs> start, start the clock. <laughs> you might need longer than two minutes. Yeah.
but it's good. No, I think to go back on the states, like I think, like American people are, are very good and like very kind people, but there is a reluctancy to see other things, and I think that's one benefit to our, um, or you know, commendable thing to our generation in in Ireland is that we've been very, like an extremely progressive generation, mm. and call them snowflakes or call them whatever you want, they're all the buzzwords, that, but. Um, I think every generation, when you look, and it's probably in this book here, when you look back in history, always kind of resents the one that's coming after them, and they're always like, oh, they don't know anything, or they don't work hard, or they don't do this or that. But I think our generation, despite everything, and can be proud of what they've done and, and the kind of progressive steps they've made. And um, Remember, was it was last year, the abortion referendum? Two years ago. Two now, years ago now. Yeah. Um, people that I hadn't talked in years, like, texting me links that I could vote or, like, yeah. people that I could reach out to for tips on voting or whatever. Uh, so, in, in that sense, I think and the next generation could be more open to change, um, providing there's good economic standing for them to change yeah. with, you know? Yeah, um... What... What I... Uh what I one thing that I get from this book, The Ascent of Humanity, is um, how, like, since we've moved from being like hunter gatherers and tribes, and since like agricultural um, production really increased, we have been told like the general narrative is uh, things are going to get better, and they don't necessarily they're not very specific on how it's going to get better, but they say oh no it's going to get better, and. Um, you can use whatever metrics you want, I guess, but a lot of people would say, yeah, we've made huge improvements in medicine and other areas, but in terms of the stuff that um, keeps us satisfied, like uh, keeps us connected and keeps us happy, I don't know how far we've come. Um, uh, yeah, and... It's funny, like, I think I was telling you the other day, I was having a discussion with my dad, and my dad was saying how he wouldn't want to grow up in our generation for anything. Yeah. And uh, and even though, like, my dad, like, we knew, think, oh, look at that generation, like, oh, they had that, and the Catholic yeah, Church yeah. was this, and they couldn't do this, and, you know, you couldn't get condoms until, like, the 80s yeah. or something, all this kind of stuff. And, but, and they, like, strip it back, kind of like what this book is saying, and they strip it back and strip it back, and they say... Yeah, but I mean, we had like these things that people forget about now, and these th and like strip it back to the idea that like we really aren't that complicated, and we really just need a few, a few key characteristics of our life to yeah yeah. Um, I think we're more alike than we probably want to give ourselves yeah. credit for, and yeah, probably. A, a, to take away the, the kudos I gave our generation about five minutes ago. Um, there is sort of a superior um, smell around Dublin to where, you know, people are kind of the, the new the tech age and the this and that and the the new Dublin um, is kind of superior to what it was before and I think like anything, like a, sort of a movement rather than a bit like a a belief maybe but um it that just drives previous generations further away in mm -hmm. in their thinking that that we're selling out or we're doing this or that and it drives us further away from them yeah. in terms of we think we're doing the right thing and um i think most when i when i think about things like that i always think of like nights out Mm -hmm. And like you could plan a night out for weeks and weeks and weeks, and the expectation in the night out is usually shite when you yeah, plan it for that long. And you could go to the best club or the best bar or whatever, but the best nights you always have are the ones that are kind of like, oh, it's eight o'clock, do you want to go for a pint? Yeah, see who else is around, grand six of us now. And that always kind of turns into the good stuff. And yeah. and that when you strip, like you were saying, strip it back, we're not looking for a whole lot, I don't think, in, in, in the end, but. Um, I don't. I don't know if we like. You think you said hope at the start of this. Hope. And I think people sometimes like. Well, in, I think in previous generations, like I said, 
because they maybe didn't know the potential that they had. They used to hope, hope to hope. Yeah. Whereas now we kind of hope to cope with what you know. We're we're kind of hoping by means of like coping with what we have or what we what what might come of what happens now and stuff. So I think the idea of of hope and and what um people in the past might have seen as hope is is changed big time for us and and we're almost fearful of what's coming rather than yeah man. they they were fearful of change but they always embraced what was coming we're kind of pushing back now and saying hang on let's slow this one down a bit it's like, and, and change just comes so quick now like that yeah. you know like my dad put it how um Ireland was like pretty stationary from like the 40s to the early 70s like not that much changed and then from like the late 80s to now it was just full-blown acceleration mm. and then you have people like my dad your dad like and then older so like 60 plus they're lost man yeah, you know, yeah. they really are like they and like you said before man I think why well, I, I get frustrated with my dad sometimes because my dad <laughs> loves like kind of giving this like this quick biased narrative of how like this is how it was back then, this is how it is now, and I don't like that. Yeah, black and, and white sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes we'd be in the car, and my dad's like, "Look at that!" Like person under thirty on their phone. Look at that. He's like, yeah, "That's yeah, madness." Yeah. Um, but I think it's so important for like people like my dad who feel strongly about this, and vice versa, like us feel strongly about. It. That, like you said, there needs to be some sort of mediator. Yeah. Because if this just continues to happen, like, yeah, users are just old and naive and ignorant or whatever, and then users are just young, forgetful, you don't understand what's important, all this kind of stuff. You're only on your phone, you only yeah, like exactly. Like, uh, yeah. How do you think that's going to pan out? Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's other parts of it to where um, the system is sort of designed everything now for us to be on our phone so when if someone's walking down the road and and uh they see see a young person on their phone they might think that they're sending pictures on snapchat wherever maybe but they could just be banking on revolut or they could be topping up their leap card or, or, or something to where whereas before that was a human interaction, a human interaction uh, society has now changed that to where it's no longer a human interaction and that's not like the 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 uh the person that assumes that shouldn't be paying the price yeah by kind of being not disrespectful kind of branded by oh he's always on his phone whereas if he wants to get the bus. He has to get on his phone and put money on the leap card, or That's if he just wants how to. It is. But yeah, now buy something in his shop now. Like it's not. Yeah. yeah how's it going, or whatever? You have to flick through your phone to get to your Apple Pay and scan that. And you know what I mean? Do you want the receipt? No, I don't want the receipt. That's taking five, six seconds away for that receipt to print yeah, and, and, yeah. and whatever. So, I think. It's a good point. Society has led most of that change, and it's probably up to us now to find other ways to to bring that human sense back to things but and I, th- I, th- I think Irish people do a, do a fairly good job of being intentional and being I was on Holt last week walking the cliffs mm-hmm. or some of the cliffs if Kaz listened to this we didn't make it all the way <laughs> but uh, you see loads of people out there and they might stop and take a picture and that but that's no different to two years gone by. I'm sure if my dad had a camera back in the day, yeah, he'd be taking pictures. Man. And um, but they're still out walking and, and chatting, and people in restaurants still chatting about useless Irish things, and that'll never change. So mm. I think as much as we can show disdain towards it, we kind of have to pick out the good parts and yeah. play them up more. So. Um. So I'll probably want to end with like two more general questions. Uh, one, I'm considering also making this a staple, yeah. Um, <laughs> with the pod- staple in the podcast? Do I, get, do I get the first answer? Yeah, it wow. potentially. Wow. Um, basically, there's this uh, documentary on yoga that I love that I've watched three or four times. And uh, there's always this part towards the end where this like pretty well-known yoga guy was saying how... Um, he goes, I don't think there's necessarily going to be, like, a better time. And he says that he's like, I'm not a pessimist. He's like, there's always been 
a famine. There's always been some sort of plague, some sort of disease, a king, a corrupt king, war, mm. all these things. He's like, that's always happened. And then you have economic collapse. Like this is yeah. like it's never. Been. But he says there has always been um, a small amount of people who have said like, I'm not gonna take part in how I see it, it going. Kind of like. Um, as much as they can um, step back from what they see is damaging to them and other people and more and more I kind of think he's right like there's obviously a part of me that thinks like yeah I mean I think there can be big change but I don't know like, so that's a long staple question like it's, this, is, this is the beauty of the question it's barely a question yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. more me talking and expecting you to start yeah. talking soon <laughs> okay I might I might just do what you're talking about and just refuse to take part <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, I don't want to get into it but um, I think all those things the war and the recession and economic factors they're all cyclical and, and f- like find me a generation that hasn't had to deal with, with one of or both um, of them and they're going to come again and it's maybe not the war hopefully not not a war but the recession is just an economic thing that happens and um, I think most generations in the past have been um, not graded but sort of graded on how they've kind of responded to it and bounced back from it and ours will probably be no different to where yeah but the scary thing and I think where your point comes from is that in the past there's kind of been a sense of uh, not suffering but kind of um just been uh, maybe a, a more authentic view of what is real in their lives and like what's tangible and what's not and now when you look at our lives and if, if something was to come it's harder to kind of quantify the, the impact it could have because it's so global and Ireland is such a global country in, in terms of the business that's done here um, and I think that's a scary t- a thought for people and that could f- force people to say you know what I just don't want to take any part in this and mm-hmm. Is that what you're kind of getting at? Step back and just kind of say, look, whatever happens, happens, and rather yeah, than kind of because I think while there are loads, pick of, at the bankers' gaffes or, 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 or what they would have done. It's it's not it's not like I think unless you get out, you're doomed. I think there are like countless amount of organisations and like entrepreneurs and you know policymakers that are really trying to make uh, people's lives better and healthier and more sustainable. But I think when the overriding um, the overriding system, I guess, is um, I be- I believe quite damaging. It's unless you like completely rejig it, um, the only option for you to have like it on your terms per se would yeah. be to like take it away, and that's only because like where I've been the last few months, like people are almost taking a step back and I like to be honest like there are parts of me that think yeah that, that that's so romantic that's so yeah inspirational and that but also like it's it's difficult because I've spent my whole life you know yeah, in, yeah. in these cities and I oh, know that's and fair I've, yeah yeah I think the one the one thing that can combat that is just conversation and kind of getting not maybe to know people but to know what's going on and and understanding things more so and like us having a conversation here like we've gone 50 minutes or 45 minutes or so and and I haven't said what I do for a job and I think that's kind of indicative of of how conversation should be because once you kind of get those on the forefront there's an expectation of what he should know or what he shouldn't know or or what and I'm an accountant for all those that are that are now branding me with that on the the edge of your seat they were yeah but uh the yeah there's an expectation then of you should know this or you should shouldn't know that or like well how do you know this you'd only do this yeah whereas in the past that was always sort of it like nobody i've I've noticed with my parents and their friends like nobody talks about work and nobody cares really about their job like they care about their personal job but nobody cares what other people do to the the point where they let it affect what they think of them as a person right and we've kind of fallen into this trap of 
people kind of assume in a facade based on what their industry or their career is and and that's a dangerous thing because it then creates divisions before there even is a division and and that that's one thing I think is if you can kind of get over that and, and kind of just look at someone as what they are rather than and what they believe in and have an honest chat with them then you don't have to you might not have to worry about the other stuff the other stuff can just fall out and when it comes then you know that there's genuine people and not just accountants and lawyers and he's he's this because and we ask him because he's an expert in this field and we ask him yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. and even the experts i mean you look at dave Dave mike williams he's an expert and nobody asked him for the last one yeah and nobody listened to him and true and then you've got other experts that if we are going to do a complete rejig we could probably start with yeah dfai and see (laughs) you know what i mean and and if that's that's what, what it takes but it's Irish people are kind of good at turning an eye to certain things, and which is commendable and on the global scale because, again, you get to know people rather than what their title is, I suppose. Man, I'm really happy you brought that up because I do have like strong thoughts about this because I remember distinctly right when I was in Mexico a few years ago, I met this guy, maybe 31, 32, from West Coast and the States. And um, West State of the United States. <laughs> yeah, West Western State. I believe it was California, <laughs> but I can't be too sure. And uh, yeah, he was thirty-one, and he was basically saying how um, he worked in the Amazon warehouse, and he had an injury, and he was waiting on a claim, and all this. And I immediately was like, "Oh God!" I mean, I don't want to be thirty-one and have this position, and yeah. whatever, whatever. And I was completely like. Uh, foreshadowing him with my thoughts of this rather than like just saying like let me let me hear about him like yeah, Jesus, yeah. anything could happen and he had such an eventful life like ups and downs and shit like everyone has yeah. but the idea that I could know what he was doing yeah, because yeah. he is currently unemployed and waiting on uh, money for his back which he yeah, probably yeah. deserves like and really man I'm glad you said that because more and more like particularly the last few months I was like yeah man it's a, it's a great point because uh, and to branch this out, I don't know how strongly connected it is, but so beside my house, for people listening, is a small river called the Puddle. And the Puddle floods um, on average maybe once every three or four years. And the uh, government have now set up a scheme where they want to uh, improve or prevent floods in the future. And what they've done is they've sold this idea to a American company and now they're going to, look at passing it to the government in January and I remember just I don't know if you've seen like just at the park beside yeah. your house they have like red ribbons everywhere because it's only a local cleaning organisation found out about this and they're saying hey how can you possibly do this like because it's going to affect the park it's going to affect the roads and stuff how can you possibly do this without informing the residents the yeah. stakeholders the people and it's that idea like you say yeah. it's the straight up hey we know better than you yeah and it doesn't matter even if they know better than you you still need to communicate with these well, people well that's it yeah, yeah. And, and 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 i think that's probably the biggest downfall of of policy and, and public policy especially in ireland is that people think they know what other people want yeah. or think they know what other people need without, without asking the other people yeah, you know yeah, and some of the stuff that they put in in um like I think to where I live, there's they're fascinated with putting these uh, yellow and red things in parks. You know the bikes or the oh, yeah, fitness yeah. equipment, which is all well and good. But like, there's other parts that you could refurbish first, or, or you know what I mean. But it's kind of a gimmicky thing, and it's like, oh well, you know, people need this. It's like, well, do we need this, or do we need the the road across the? from the shop fixed or, yeah, or yeah, yeah. Do, do we need another bus route or yeah, yeah, yeah. like things that are, are you're really in need of sometimes the people in making those decisions like you were saying don't take into account those things so I think like being a considered an expert can often give you this idea that your opinion is worth somebody more than somebody else's yeah. opinion and why, well, yeah. why is it yeah that's funny yeah when I when I think back to when I did my masters, like the the experts and the academics aren't actually doing their research anymore. No, so people doing their yeah, research. Yeah, so if you're not in the weeds of it, and like you've gotten to where you are from being very good at doing what you do, 
and then you get there and it's like, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> it's such a weird concept. Like, I do you know, know what I mean? It's, it's such a weird concept to think you could get so high being so good at something. Like, imagine if you were a footballer, it's a terrible example, but you just got roused up through all the leagues and you got to United and then went, oh, I'm a deadly footballer, I'm no longer playing. <laughs> like, But remember but, that I play for United. But, but I play for United and I'm going to cash a cheque every week from United because I've gotten here. Yeah, and yeah. now I'm at United, so none of you can say anything. Yeah. Because I'm here. And, and that gets into different things in academia of tenure and yeah. protection and, and all that stuff. But there's an element to you look at some of the leaders and the, especially when you look at the FAI, which is topical, like the lads leading that don't have a clue what's going on. Or, or, or didn't have a clue or, um, but nobody said that to them and, and they were orchestrating all this stuff that at grassroots level maybe it wasn't working or wasn't getting enough funding and but they did what they think people need and, and well they did more than that but they did they think they they know what people need and without putting the, like, yeah, the research and that, that's there. it you know that's that's where co- just conversation I think comes into it I think we did a good job today man hey that's what we can do. <laughs> All right. Um, we don't want to feel good. <laughs> we just want to feel good. We just want to do good, man. We want to be good. Um, also, is there anything else you'd like to say before I ask you, like, the the last bit? So the last bit is, what? like, um, get your shit together. So, like, you have a bad day, what do you do? Yeah. Um, is there anything that you would like to say, like, from the main channel? Uh, I don't think so. Cool. So, John, we've reached the final um, part of this beautiful podcast where it, it the is happy. The ascent of humanity. We're at, <laughs> we're at the top. <laughs> we should, that's what we should call this yeah. podcast, the ascent of humanity. Um, yeah, so the last part is mm, titled Get Your Shit Together. And basically, we like to ask people what they do when shit hits the fan and mm, like days are low and yeah. this kind of scale. I get this on the 1st of January. You get this on the 1st of January. Why else? Clean what? slight. <laughs> what other day would I ask yeah, 366 days this year to make it good. <laughs> this year a leap year? It is a leap year. <laughs> yeah, it is a leap year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a friend of my dad's was born on a leap day. <laughs> was he? So I think he's turning 12 or 13 yeah. this year. You know? <laughs> Deadly. Yeah, good, yeah. <laughs> um, is, this you, is this you swerving? No, no, go okay. for it. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> tough questions, tough questions. Bring them on. Sure. Yeah. Um, so tell us, yeah, I mean, uh, I obviously have a few things that I do. Um, to get your shit together? Yeah, man, I mean, c- consistency is something that I value more than now um, than ever before. And basically, uh, every day since I've been home, I wake up and I do some yoga and I do a bit of meditation. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, even when, like, shit like, hits the fan during the day or, like, I feel like I'm spending too much time in my head. I go for a walk, yeah. listen to a favourite album, I chat to you, I chat yeah, to a yeah, few yeah, of my yeah. mates, and all of a sudden you realise, like, these problems, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, any personal reflections for, for yourself? Yeah. I think, um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think, well, I, I, I keep a journal and kind of jot things down, and, and I think sometimes that can be misconceived as you're trying to log your your kind of journey through life but it's more so for me like being able to look back when you are feeling brutal and having a tough day or whatever and being able to flick back a couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever it may be to to where there was a good day or and being able to have something down in your handwriting of today was a good day because of xyz and that i think that kind of i think when you're having tough days and feeling down you can kind of get bogged down so much that you forget the past sort of mm-hmm. um and i think in, in the back of this journal i have kind of like 10 things that i wanted to do this year so i was actually filling this out last night ah, really? um and then 
<clears throat> there's sometimes and, and especially you know with relationships or or whatever it may be or maybe people in work pissing you off or whatever whatever it is but probably mainly relationships you kind of hold on to the past a little bit too much yeah and the, the journey of them kind of becomes counterproductive because yeah. you might look back and say oh like this was a great day but was it a great day because i was with this person or was i was at that point in in my life and i think the the back of the journal then comes into play because you've got what you want to do and and i think sometimes it's it's a seesaw of such to where sometimes if your day is shit you need the the previous pages to kind of remind you why things are still good Mm -hmm. and some days it's shit and you don't need to look back and you need to look forward and and it's kind of uh you just have to make sure it's up turned up the right way and you don't get them mixed <laughs> up i suppose but um but now that's one thing i think is like a kind of a constant like probably similar to your yoga is something that i kind of do every day um and then i'd say like when i look at remember injuring my wrist in college playing tennis and the guy said to me i remember a surgeon and he had meant this in not a deep philosophical sense but in a, in, a, in a strictly wrist tendonitis sense um was that rehab isn't as important as prehab and he was basically saying look you can you can injure stuff and and rehab it all you want but if you're not doing little things to prevent it happening again or to prevent you feeling shit again um well it's going to keep happening again and you're going to have to keep doing this and then like anything you get fed up doing the rehab and you get sloppy and then it you know you spiral so i think one thing for me was when living living abroad and um in nashville which is not a heavily irish populated place i live with a couple of irish lads and good mates with a couple of other irish lads and um kind of having that that core group and, and like people like yourself and and our other friends at home um being able to just kind of have that circle that you can rely on and, and be vulnerable around and um i've been lucky enough that that kind of serves as your prehab almost because if you're starting to feel shit, it only takes a cup of tea and, and a yeah. chat. And if you're able to kind of open up to that person and say, "Oh, this is the way I feel," and um, it can it can change what you write in the journal that day. Maybe yeah. you, you might not get to the to the bad parts as much, but that's what you want, isn't it? You don't want. So I'd say those kind of that 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 prehab, if if you will, of getting a circle you can kind of trust and rely on, and then. The, the journal definitely helps and to, and especially in, when you're working in, in corporate America or corporate anywhere really now but you can kind of get lost lost in the sauce to get back on that one but you can get lost in the sauce and kind of get have an inflated sense of of self and self-importance maybe and um, the journal again kind of comes into play or, or being able to write things down comes into play because you're like well actually I, I was a bit of a piece of shit that day or I didn't go to the gym or geez I had nine chocolate bars there on Stephen's day and <laughs> you know I mean you know that's the truth at the end of the day it's not <laughs> yeah. the, you know so I think when you even when you're feeling great and and on top of the world and you might feel like uh you're untouchable it's good to flick back and realize you had 10 chocolate bars is what it really was so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they'd, they'd be the they'd be the what's the segment called Get well, your shit together. That's that's that's, that's yeah. how I get my shit together. I appreciate and keeping that, keeping little lists and just kind of crossing stuff off. Yeah. And do you ever find like you might spend too much time in your head? Because my favorite thing about the meditation is like you kind of you notice like your like the thoughts are coming in and all these ideas like oh, I'm doing this I'm doing this I should have done this I should have done this, and then like if you do it for a few more minutes you realize like okay I'm a human on a spinning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still in planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of a civilization that's been going on for hundreds of millions of years. Yeah. And I'm pissed off that I didn't get to see my friend today. Yeah. I'm pissed yeah, off yeah, that yeah. it's like. Huh. No, bringing it into. Bring it in, man. To perspective is yeah. huge. I mean, perspective is huge in anything. And, and I think, like, even meditation, like, I wouldn't be as good as. At, I'm not good at meditating, and I kind of take my job and, and, and lifestyle can lead to me being it, it's hard sometimes to switch off and, and get to that point of just not being able to think about things I but i remember um like i think exercise is is, is a huge thing and, and activities and 
start playing football um, just five side a couple of weeks or a couple of times a week and you uh, there's sort of a meditative nature to that and I remember listening to uh, you'll know this one of my favourite artists Dermot Kennedy mm-hmm. he was saying that the one thing he misses now that he's like a you know top notch musician and travelling the world is that um, he used to play football and I think he was fairly handy at it but he, used to, he said like it was so meditative in that when you're out playing football you're not there's nothing else in your head there's all no you know, there's nothing you all you think about is where that ball's coming from or what he's doing or, and it, and it's sort of a freeing thing so I think maybe maybe the, with the introduction of the meditative apps and all this stuff we've gotten this idea that it has to be one certain no, way yeah, 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 no. there's, there's a lot of like a lot of different ways where you can kind of just get out of your own head and definitely get your shit together definitely man to, to plug the plug the segment <laughs> <laughs> for the brand shout out for the plug for the brand but yeah no I'd say that probably the, the three main things Thanks but always, always working trying to figure something else out to help keep yeah Cup keep, keep trying lion's tea not berries yeah, don't be trying Barry's tea. No, 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 no. Not, the, not, not endorsed. <laughs> Joe Rogan endorses Barry's tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, buddy. Cheers. Hi, guys. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. Um, I'm sorry that my accent is now going to ruin what you've just been listening to for the last hour. But please, can you subscribe, like, um, do what you need to do. You know what it is. Pass it on word of mouth to anyone who you think that may like it or may find it useful. Two weeks time, Jim and I will be doing another podcast where we'll do a mini review of the interview he just had with John that you've just listened to. And then we'll be talking about many other things. But until then, have a good one.